So welcome home. Kind of get you moving, doesn't it? Get your, get your blood flowing there. Chapter 5 of Acts, we will continue on in our study in the book of Acts. And these are short verses, perhaps, but there is so much that is meaningful in these verses, and yet there's one thing that I want to leave with you before you leave this building today. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. We have this situation where Peter and John had already been in. Uh, just to reiterate all of that up to this point, they had been on their way on a daily basis. For every day, they met in Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's porch, which is at the east end of the temple itself. 24 acres uh, involved the temple area. And so as Peter and John are walking along on their way to the temple, people are crying out to them to be healed. Well, the same Peter and John had made that trip before, had singled out a, a lame man. This lame man had been healed from lame from his birth up to the time that he was over 40 years of age. Always been carried there daily as Peter and John uh, saw that Jesus healed the man. They were then accosted by the Sadducees. Sadducees put them in jail that evening and they were confronting with the, confronted with the Sanhedrin the next day. There in the lame man. They were strongly cautioned not to speak the name of Jesus. Strongly cautioned not to say anything about Jesus. As far as they concerned, weeks ago they had taken care of Jesus by crucifying him. He was no longer a subject worthy of discussion. So Peter and John said, you tell me, should we obey men or God? Which one? You let us decide. Well, don't, don't speak about them. So they went in with their fellow believers who were already praying for them and gave them a report of everything that had happened. Now we, look, we take it back in verse 29 of chapter 4. Now... Lord, they prayed, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And then in verse 30, their prayer was, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, uh, your Holy Servant, Jesus. Now, the Jews in that day and age needed signs in order to believe anything. God was in the process of starting this new church, this new covenant that Jesus brought with him between God the Father and mankind that was, that was wrapped up in a beautiful package called Jesus Christ. 
And so this new covenant that God started with the church and the new church that had just begun needed signs and wonders for the Jews to believe that this had actually transpired. And God was willing, certainly, to provide those. Well, you see here where they perform many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Every day they would meet there for Bible study and prayer and to hear Peter and John talk about all the wonderful things that God had done in their lives and in the lives of people with whom they encountered. And he said, no one else dared join them. Why do you think? Well, last Sunday we just talked about Ananias and Sapphira. Could it be possible that there are some out there that are thinking, now what if I stray a little bit on the truth? What if I'm in conversation with Peter and John and I, you know, I'm not sure that my habit is always telling the truth. What if I lie a little bit? Well, there was fear that came over the community because of Ananias and Sapphira and that experience, because of them lying to the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people decided not to join them in their gatherings, in their Bible study, in their prayer groups, in their meetings. They didn't want to be associated with them because of their fear. However, those that had trusted Jesus, the next verse said, nevertheless, but... There's that word again. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. There are already 3,000 on that day of Pentecost, another couple of thousand later on. They were up in the thousands of men alone. And the Bible says daily those were being added such as should be saved. But now we see an interesting thing. For Luke, refers to women being saved for the first time. I want you to see that. Because through Acts, he begins to refer to women a dozen more times and talks about how very vitally important they were not only to the ministry, but to the growth of of the Christian movement. Very important that you see that because we're going to encounter some great women in the pages ahead. But... As you see this, they brought the sick. Now, there is no evidence that the shadow of Peter had any healing value. I want you to see that because it's a little irritating to see prayer aprons, prayer cloths, and things of this nature that are being uh, sold by certain people. It's not, it's not the uh, cloth. It's the healer himself, and the healer is Jesus Christ. It's not mankind. If Jesus heals you, you're healed. And it's Jesus that does the healing. Sometimes we focus a lot more on the healing than the healer. And sometimes we focus on the things that we think allow the healing than we do on the healer himself. And the enemy has really dissuaded us from focusing our attention fully on fully on Jesus when that happens. So, but there is this shadow. Now think about Peter and John as they're making their way into Solomon's colonnade on the east side of this temple. And there, in this 24 acres of land, there are people thronging and probably pressing around him, asking to be healed, asking for certain favors. 
and the crowd, the press of the crowd was pulling in on them. So therefore, people would just bring in their, their loved ones and their family, their friends on cots, on pallets, on whatever they could bring them in and lay them on the ground praying that even the shadow of Peter would affect them and heal them. Well, the Bible says all were healed. All were healed because of these signs and wonders through the apostles' ministry. Also, God was not only affirming the beginning of the early church and giving it his credibility through these signs and wonders that were, that were seen in that day. He was also giving the apostles their due recognition as well. It takes you back to the time of Jesus. The, these, these healings and these signs and these wonders all worked to affirm Jesus and his ministry as the only begotten Son of God, the Messiah of the world. And so as they're starting the infancy of this church, there it is, God's affirmation to the people of Jerusalem. But there's one thing that I want us to take with us today, and it's about our shadow ministries. I want you to see that, the shadow of Peter. You see, the shadow of Peter fell on people that Peter didn't even know. Peter had never met. Peter didn't know their background. He didn't know their situations. He didn't know their circumstance. He didn't know what they needed. And yet his shadow fell on everybody along the pathway, along the roadside, along his route into the temple itself. So think about your shadow ministries this morning. I've been giving this a lot of thought this past week. Scientists have said that a pebble that is dropped into the ocean will be felt in its farthest reach on the other shore opposite the pebble. It's that cause and effect. It's that with every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, scientific theories. And it is true that everything we do can have an influential effect on something or somebody in our lives, whether good or bad. And the Bible says that all of these things that we do will be stored up for eternity and we won't even know the impact of what we have said, negatively or positive, what we have done, what our influence has been until God himself rolls out the books. It would be like a panorama. He looks in the back and there's that screen. Let me show you what you did on earth. You're not even aware of some of these things, I'll bet. But let me show you. So they, when, when God meets out the awards ceremonies, there's it going to be. Well, I want to look at two things. I want to look at two aspects of these shadow ministries. One is negative. You know, we think about the negative influences uh, of people over the ages during the time of the Christian church. There was Nero. Nero was a horrendous emperor in the Roman Empire, blaming everything that he had done for his little uh, Rome renovation on the Christians. They literally used Christians as candles to light their gardens at night. And, and they, the killing of the Christians in the arena, Caligula and other emperors, had, a, had an impact on the Christian movement and on on the people of its, its day. We see where kings over the ages have had negative influences on their 
citizenry. And then in, in contemporary times, of course, the world wars, uh, we see where Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin have killed their millions in the wake of their evil march. And then there's Pol Pot in Cambodia with the killing fields, and there's Chairman Mayo in China. But as we look at the negative influences that they have had on generations to come, let's bring it back down, bring that spiral back down to our target where we are today. I want to think about our influences that we've had in our lifetimes. The negative things that we have said, the, the things, the words that we have spoken in anger, in haste, the way that we have have treated others who have been co-workers, who have been family members, siblings, parents, children, relatives, friends, neighbors, family members. The negative influences that we have had on them through not only the spoken word, but through something that we have done to them. Church members. You know, Anne Graham Lotz even wrote a book about how to overcome the influence of church members who have hurt you. How do you do that? I mean, sometimes you need a program to know who the Christians are. And these negative influences really last for generations. It's that ripple effect. It's that influence that comes, that shadow ministry that we have that casts its negative shadow on people because we're being watched all the time. We're being seen all the time. We may not know it. Peter didn't know it. But they're watching us. And they're observing us. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. What a blessing they are. And yet, things that we have said, things that we have done, places that, that we have been, circumstances, situations that cast a negative influence on them. Well, they would come back at us, this is what you said. Remember when we were raising our children? They would always be at the right time, at the right point for them, not for me, to say, but I remember what you said way back when. Or I remember what you did. Remember that situation, Dad, when you did that? Yeah, I do. Well... Why is it so bad when I did it? And so there are those negative influences that we spread on others in our shadow ministries. Sometimes it's just not knowing or not seeing or not paying attention or not giving the Holy Spirit His attention that He needs to understand the circumstance and the situation that we are involved with. Well, then you look at the positive influences. So many of you have had so many positive influences on people. You're not going to know what those influences are until eternity reveals it. Pro and con. You won't know. But these positive influences, I was reading, again, rereading uh, Billy Graham's biography this week. Got Kind of got a kick out of it. He was 16 years old. Wanted nothing to do with the church. And yet, 
he was in high school at Central High School in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was said that there was a house across the street from the high school that the boys used to go uh, visit after school and get involved in all kinds of sinful activities, the word was, if we can just imagine. Mordecai Ham, the evangelist, came to town to Charlotte to hold a revival, and Mordecai Ham began to refer to this house and some of the things that were going on in it. And some of the high school boys got irritated over the fact that their cover had been blown. And so there, the rumor was that they were going to not only protest and demonstrate at the Mordecai Ham revival service in front of the platform, but some had said, we're going to go and literally have a fist fight with the evangelist. Well, Billy Graham said, I'd love to see a fight. So that's why he went. And uh, later on, when his Sunday school teacher, Bible study teacher, uh, got caught wind of it, he began to invite Billy Graham to the services. Billy Graham said he didn't want to look at Mordecai Ham's piercing eyes because he, he felt uncomfortable when the evangelist was looking at him. So he decided he'd get his two friends, Grady Wilson and T.W. Wilson, to sit in the choir. That way they wouldn't have to look at Mordecai Ham's face. He said, we couldn't sing at all. But it was through all of that process that one night, Billy Graham said, I don't understand what happened. All I know is that, that I was standing in front of the altar and somebody was asking me about my relationship with Jesus. And so from that point, who was the one that led Mordecai Ham to the Lord? Who was the one that led the person that led Mordecai Ham to the Lord? Who was the one that, that if began to affect Billy Graham? And how many positive influences? I've been to South Korea on a, on a revival crusade, and nothing like Billy Graham was. He had over one million people at one particular service. I, could, I can still see in his museum the photos of the helicopters leaving the, the area and looking out over that crowd of a million plus people. How many of those people have influenced other people? And as a result, Billy Graham one day will, will have it revealed that this was your shadow ministry. You don't know these people. You don't know what influence you had on these people necessarily. And yet, here is the positive effect of your faithfulness. And then Old Testament, there was Joseph, there was Elijah and Elisha, there was David, Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of the prophets. And in the New Testament, of course, John and Peter and Andrew. Andrew brought Peter to Christ. There's his shadow ministry. And look at all the people that Peter influenced. Every time you read about Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. And there's a little boy in a story. Who's that kid? Five loaves and two fish. Jesus told the disciples, feed the multitudes. There's 5,000 men plus women and children. Where are we going? We don't have that kind of money. The disciples responded, where are we going to get that kind of money? And there's no fast food restaurant around here that can take care of this situation. A little boy steps forward, tugs on the sleeve of the disciples and said, you can have my lunch. It'll work. I'll help. Who's that little boy? You don't know. 
but his shadow ministry on that little boy unknowingly fed 5,000 men plus women and children and influenced a number of people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And probably some of those are in our spiritual lineage. I would be willing to bet. And then there's George Whitfield, the, the leader of the first great awakening, and Jonathan Edwards, who was influenced as well by George Whitfield. Who influenced George Whitfield? Who was it that had that influence with him? And it goes back. And who influenced them? Shadow ministries. What was the circumstance? Maybe it was at a camp. Maybe it was around a campfire. Maybe it was just sitting there over a, a dining room table discussing spiritual issues with somebody, family or friend. Maybe it's somebody that came over. One of my influential members was a father of one of my best friends in school who was also my Sunday school teacher, seventh grade. Never will forget him. These influential people, shadow ministries, every person that they have touched positively that has influenced somebody else positively is laid to their own name. What's your shadow ministry today? Did you believe that that shoe salesman in Boston that led a, a young fella to the Lord in the stock room and that young fella's name was D.L. Moody, do you think the shoe salesman had any idea whatsoever that this shadow ministry of his? Well, what about all the great missionaries that have crossed the pages of history? Somebody had to step up and, and, and become positively influential in their lives. What about them? What about Fanny Crosby, the black hymn, uh, the bat, excuse me, the blind hymn writer? You know, who was it that influenced her, Fanny Crosby? Do you realize that in her lifetime, she wrote 9,000 hymns? And you know that shadow ministry is being seen on the pages of hymn books to this day. And we still sing her songs. Fanny, you'll see her one day. But what was the shadow ministry that led her to the Lord? And look at her shadow ministry as it continues to impact generations later. So I want you to think this morning about your shadow ministry. That's, what I, that's the one thing I want you to hone in on. How have you influenced somebody for the better? And you may not even know, but maybe there is a behavior or an attitude or an action that has been positively influencing other people around you. Maybe it's that, that little cup of cold water you give in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's just that little... Uh, invitation that you gave to a neighbor to come to Bible study or to worship services or whatever the case might be. What is that shadow ministry in your life? And you may come stand before Jesus and say, well, when did I do these things that you're revealing to me? When did I see my brother naked and clothe him or, or when he was hungry and fed him? And, and when did I go to prison to visit them? I didn't do any of those things. Can't remember. Jesus said, 
if you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it also to me. Wow. Shadow ministries. What's yours? Who are you influencing today? You know you're influencing everyone around you. At one time or another, you are influencing everyone around you. Well, there it was as a result. So that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Who is it that your shadow falls on? As long as you're on the face of this earth, you have a ministry. If you're laid up in bed, you've got a ministry to your caretakers. You have a ministry of prayer, and that's shadow ministry, to pray for those who are serving the Lord, to pray for those who need to know the Lord, to pray for those who need to draw closer to the Lord. Prayer is a shadow ministry. So today, I'm just asking you, how does your shadow ministry look? Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're listening to this online or later on. I want to ask you, if you've never trusted Christ Jesus, there are people whose shadows have crossed your path. You look back on them, their parents perhaps, and maybe their 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 friends that have have come to know the Lord and have tried to influence you, and yet it's not working. Or yet it may be because you're thinking about it even now. So today, if you trust, if you hear the voice of Jesus, if you feel those gentle urgings by the Holy Spirit, today, do not harden your heart, but come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And then secondly, some of you have trusted Christ, but you've never followed Him in baptism by immersion, which is in obedience to the Lord. It's your public profession of faith in Him. And so today, would you come and indicate that this is what you feel the Lord calling you to do? And then for those of you that are looking for a church home, I don't know of any greater place to serve the Lord than right here. We've got uh, our best days yet to come. They're in front of us. They're not behind us. We don't look to the past except for direction. We look to the future because we know the Lord is doing something in our days that we would not even believe though we were told, according to Habakkuk 1.5. And yet, here we are today. You're looking for a church home? We've got a place for you. And then finally, for all of us, it's a time to reevaluate, reconsider, rededicate our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? Our most gracious Father, Today, I pray that you will touch our hearts in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, as we look at our negative and positive influence on the things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we do them, the way that we say them, forgive us, Lord, for our negative influences, please, and help us to focus in on these shadow ministries that bring you great blessings and joy and honor and glory for all the little things that we do, Lord Jesus, in these shadow ministries. May they honor you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the decisions being made now. Thank you for those who 
will unite with this fellowship, Father, and thank you for the church family that is active and on the move. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just pray that you'll focus in on that shadow ministry that the Lord has given you. Look at the people around you. Look at the circumstance. Thank God for every opportunity that you have to glorify Him through what you're doing. May God bless you today and always.